This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Last night, of course, the uh, big debate, the final debate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And I thought Donald Trump was doing a great job right through the first half of this debate, man. I thought, ooh, he's holding his own. He's giving great answers. He's sticking to the core Republican message here. And he, he seemed like he might be unflappable. And then uh, he was questioned in regard to uh, whether he would accept uh, the outcome of the election, as all presidents have done in the past. And, and that's when it got a little ugly. And this was all in response to his continuing accusation that the, the U.S. Uh, election system is rigged, of which, of course... You know, from what I understand, it's it's one of the safest in the world. Uh, that being said, here's what Donald Trump had to say uh, if, in fact, he would concede defeat if that was the case. Do you make the same commitment that you will absolutely, sir, that you will absolutely accept the result of this election? I will look at it at the time. I'm not looking at anything now. I'll look at it at the time. What I've seen, what I've seen is so bad. First of all, the media is so dishonest and so corrupt and the pile-on is so amazing. The New York Times actually wrote an article about it that they don't even care. It's so dishonest, and they poison the minds of the voters. But unfortunately for them, I think the voters are seeing through it. She shouldn't be allowed to run. It's cr- she's, she's guilty of a very, very serious crime. She should not be allowed to run. And just in that respect, I say it's rigged. Let me respond to that, because that's horrifying. You know, every time Donald thinks things are not going in his direction, he claims whatever it is is rigged against him. Uh, The FBI conducted a year-long investigation into my emails. They concluded there was no case. He said the FBI was rigged. He lost the Iowa caucus. He lost the Wisconsin primary. He said the Republican primary was rigged against him. Then Trump University gets sued for fraud and racketeering. He claims the court system and the federal judge is rigged against him. Uh, There was even a time when he didn't get an Emmy for his TV program three years in a row, and he started tweeting that the Emmys were rigged against him. Should have gotten it. This this is a mindset. This This is how Donald thinks. And it's funny, but it's also really troubling. Okay. Now, that is not the way our democracy works. We've been around for 240 years. We've had free and fair elections. We've accepted the outcomes when we may not have liked them. And that is what must be expected of anyone standing on a debate stage during a general election. All right, let's bring in James Campbell, Distinguished Professor, Department of Political Science, University of Buffalo. His new book, Polarized, Making Sense of a Divided America. He is with us now. Hello, James. How are you today? Very good. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for taking the time to join us. I'm anxious to know what you thought of the debate last night. Well, I, I think uh, I, I thought Trump had, had done very well, uh, and uh, this is uh, has been overshadowed by his response to this one question, which I think if you you know if you look at it, it was and um, it was more of a non-response, saying, "Well, you know, the election's not over yet." I got a got an email from a Washington Post reporter today. It said, "Well, why didn't uh, why didn't uh, Trump uh, uh, concede uh, the election? Why wouldn't?" What, 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 and I, I responded, saying, well, "There's nothing to concede at this point." <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think that's the uh, 
No, he was saying, you know, in light of everything that's been going on, including the uh, information about, uh, um, you know, people being paid off to create uh, uh, violent situations at his rallies, uh, and that being traced back to the Democratic Party, I think he said, let's just, you know, let's wait and see. And um, I, th- I don't think that was such a... Uh, um, a ridiculous thing to say, you know. I think he just said, "Well, you know, most of the time people would say, well, this I, I don't answer hypothetical questions.' You know, when yeah. when the elections, so why didn't why didn't he just fairly? I will I will uh, say so. So why didn't he just do that, James? I mean, it seems that the pundits have explained him better than he has. And again, you know as well as I do, he's doing this for effect. Uh, he's doing this to create and raise even more suspicion that it is rigged. So why did he just not qualify it the way you have and, and so many other have since he said it? Well, I think sometimes he doesn't uh, think things through on those grounds. I and mean, we've seen it before that he uh, kind of shoots from the lip. And uh, I think, uh, you know, I think in the context, that's what he was saying. Um, and he, sh- he should have said it more clearly. Um, you know, but these, you know, they're asked questions and they're supposed to respond very quickly and succinctly. He should have come back and and clarified that that this is, you know, if it, he is, do you really he think he, he was presume that it's going to be a fair election? And at that point, if he's on the losing end of that, he would certainly admit it and accept it. But in the end, why, you know, I mean, if that was his intention, why did he just not, you know, clearly state that? Uh, you know, again, yeah. he did it, and he did it with theatrics in the sense right. that, you know, he, I, I, don't, I don't buy this quickness in the, the debate and trying to answer yeah. questions. I mean, he knew exactly how he was going to answer this question, and he wanted to answer the question with leaving the suspicion in people's mind that this just could be rigged. Well, uh, I think he, he's, he's not completely convinced in his own mind that it that it won't be yeah and and there is some some reason why people might hold that in abeyance is this about look at uh, everything that surrounded the uh, clinton email scandal and the decision not to indict after the fbi said uh, well the law doesn't require an intent uh, but just a reckless disregard for um, the security of, of, of confidential and the top secret information is is a crime, and then conclude that it's that Secretary Clinton's handling of those materials were was extremely careless. You know, you look, you put those two things together, and you say, well, why isn't there? Why aren't they moving forward with an, an indictment? And then. President Clinton, former President Clinton, meeting with the Attorney General on a on a tarmac. I mean, there's a lot of shenanigans that have been going on in this this election, and I think uh, Trump is uh, perhaps overreacting to those those things. But I think he's he's got some reasons. It's not completely unreasonable that he uh, wants to hold off see how things actually shake out in the last couple of weeks. You're right. There are certainly is lots of shenanigans going on, and a lot of people are upset that the Republican Party isn't holding Hillary to more account for these, although, you know, Donald certainly did perform well at the early part of the debate last night and did bring up the, uh, bring up these issues. But again, if he really wants to focus on why Hillary uh, is doing what she's doing and, and what Hillary is doing it, why does he keep drawing attention back to himself by saying silly things? 
things like this that, again, uh, shoots from the, the, the hip and he doesn't really think. Like, is that the sort of people, is that the sort of person the United States wants in power? Well, I, mean, I, I think that's a definite weakness for Trump. I mean, what, you know, elections are always about a choice. And the question is whether the bundle of weaknesses you get with Trump mm-hmm. are worse or better than the bundle of weaknesses you get with, with Hillary, Hillary Clinton. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's, I think, what the media has to do is a better job of, of, of outlining what those weaknesses are and, and how severe each of those are. And it seems, it seems to me that they've, they've focused on, on Trump somewhat more than Hillary um, in, the, in that regard, probably because he has been um, not as effective in deflecting those. Sometimes he Rather than just admitting a, 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 an error, he tries to relitigate it when he should just get it off the table, uh, and um, and he doesn't have the focus that that Clinton has. So in terms of those temperaments, uh, I think you know that, that Clinton is a better candidate, but there's also judgment and records and all of those things that. Uh, that, that may point to Trump for, for many people. Uh, do you need that type of focus to be president? Do you think that he's qualified? Well, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to tell you, tell you what my personal views are on that, because I think it's up to the voters to individually decide that. I will say that um, I think any president would, would, have, um, would be surrounded by advisors and wouldn't be making um, uh, flip uh, decisions without a lot of uh, uh, advisors, uh, you know, tempering them. I mean, if, you know, if you go back in history, you know, Richard. I mean, the, a lot of the uh, histories written about Richard Nixon said that he would, uh, you know, even order his uh, his aides to do things, and they sort of knew that that he shouldn't have. And his aides knew, nah, this is just the old man spouting off, you mm-hmm. know. And, and just write it off in that way. So um, if things are more complicated uh, when you have, and somewhat more uh, secure, when you have um, uh, an organization um, buffering you from making immediate decisions. Trump uh, did a great job sticking to his points at the early part of the debate and and certainly appealed to the core. How did how how did Hillary uh, handle that? Your thoughts on uh, the performance other than what everyone seems to be talking about? Well, I thought they uh, they both did a good job in terms of uh, of uh, handling issues from the standpoint of their base. I think Clinton compared to past debates, Clinton was on on uh, the defensive more in um, in last night's de- debate, and also appeared somewhat more combative mm-hmm. as a result of that. Uh, so, had it not been for this, um, the focus, I think, to some extent, undue focus on this um, this one question about accepting the results uh, of the election, um, I think Trump would have uh, would would have come out um, as as uh, having a superior performance. Whether that was enough, mm-hmm. I mean, he's. I don't think it would have been enough to 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 um, actually change things appreciably at this point, though. And I think he needed more of a of an absolute no questions win mm-hmm. in the debate. And I don't think uh, he had that, even considering the uh, the flap about the uh, accepting the results. 
How should he handle that moving forward today? How should he just put that away right now and go, no, this is what I meant, da 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 Or should he just continue the way he is? Yeah, I know. Uh, well, I think he should He should say, well, you know, I, I would assume that, as in the past, um, our elections will be fairly conducted, mm-hmm. and there won't be, you know, they won't be voting from the graveyards and everything else. And, <laughs> and I assume that's going to be the case. And now we should focus on the key differences. Um, things that they don't, that people don't like about uh, my background, for instance, buying Chinese steel and for the buildings and things like that, um, were within the law, uh, as Hillary Clinton and her husband and others had written the law. I'm, you know, Clinton's transgressions, on the other hand, I think this is what Trump should, the lines Trump should draw, Clinton's transgressions broke the law. Um, whether it's the email or more violations of public trust, mm-hmm. maybe that's the better way to to, to put that. And in terms of um, the Clinton Foundation, um, the uh, uh, and the email uh, scandal, even handling uh, Benghazi, I think all those things were you, you could make that distinction. What do you think the next uh, few days leading up to the actual election will be like? Well, I would guess they're even going to get uh, nastier um, than they than they have been, um, and I think uh, you know both sides at this point want to uh, uh, cement their base, and uh, each uh, side wants to reach out and try to create some doubts in the others uh, in the others base to maybe depress turnout. Um, and so I think uh, you, you know this is the this is the point in the campaign when uh, when things can get even rougher than they have been. I think. Hmm. Uh, James Campbell has been with us, distinguished professor in the Department of Political Science, University of Buffalo. His new book, Polarized: Making Sense of a Divided America. James, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Oh, always glad to be on. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show weekdays from noon to three on AM 900 CHML. Alyssa Freeman is with us, Principal Alyssa PR Communications, columnist Huffington Post, Canada.com, PR Daily with us now. Alyssa, how are you today? Woo! I was waiting all night for this, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I thought he did pretty good. I thought he did great for the first, uh, you know. Well, yeah, the first portion of the debate, I thought, wow, he's uh, keeping his cool. He's staying to his base. He's, uh, he's, he's saying whatever someone told him to say, and he's asking all the pertinent questions. He's holding Hillary's feet to the fire. Um, then, of course, he became the Donald again. Well, you know, it was interesting because, you know, Donald has been accused of not prepping for these debates and not taking them seriously. It is very clear that he was prepped and he actually took some time and got some people into a room and they really worked with him. Because for those first 30 minutes, he maintained his composure and, you know, they were really sort of heavy into policy. But, you know, he has so many tells that when he starts to become unhinged that everybody knows them now. So the first thing that I noticed was that his face, which was not orange <laughs> last night, but sort of a normal color pale, started to get redder and redder. And when he starts talking about hot button issues where she was uh, poking at him, he starts to sniff. Mm. And then he starts to wipe his nose. 
and then he starts to drink some water. He gets dry mouth very quickly. So once all that happened, you know that he's going down the road. And you also know that Hillary knew that for the first 30 minutes, it was it was a sort of toe-to-toe. Donald was saying whatever he needed to say, mm-hmm. and Hillary was countering. But after that, when she sort of segued um, into ISIS and into his temperament, even he said, well, how do we get off that question and move into this? She got right underneath his skin, and he became pretty much unhinged. Uh, what about her facial expressions? Because I even noticed you could see her feeling the tension in that first half of the debate when he was holding her feet to the fire. Well, you know, she keeps pretty composed, and I think that what they do is that they show her feedback of what her face looks like and and how they dress her, and her hair was a little bit softer this time, and that she wore white. Now, some people liked the white, some people didn't like the white. Normally, white is not the best um, color when you're on camera. I count on my clients, don't wear white, it's too hot. It reflects too much up into your face. But in her case, it actually worked, because you need to remember that all you're really seeing of these candidates is from the shoulders up. Right. So uh, she was, you know, very, very uh, conservative in the first 30 minutes in terms of her facial expressions. But then as she realized that he was losing it and moving right back into the Donald that, you know, they all know and love, there was a lot of social media chatter about how her face split into such a wide grin that it Mm. went beyond her split screen. Hmm. So, uh, you know, you know, she sort of can't, you can't help it when you know that your opponent's becoming unhinged. And there were a lot of memes going, going, I think I just won, I think I just won, that you could see on Twitter. But she actually was a little bit more loose in this debate, I would say, after the 30 minutes. She over-talked him. Hillary was also not going to be um, bullied not going to, not really caring about his, you know, when he would interrupt and say, wrong, wrong, wrong. She kind of, you know, threw caution into the wind and took him on into every challenge that she could. Do uh, do you think that uh, the media has focused too much on how this ended and that by, of course, him not, uh, you know, still going with the whole rigged election thing and saying that... Uh, uh, you know, he was going to keep us in suspense on whether he would uh, accept the outcome of the election or not. Uh, yeah. is, is that a tipping point? Is the media focusing too much? Because what the, the Republican pundits were saying last night was he did one thing, and that's what they're jumping on. Well, you know, the Republican pundits also said that he was kind of holding his own until he shot himself into the foot with that. And when you poke directly at a freedom that Americans have held dear for hundreds and hundreds of years and say, well, maybe I'll accept it and maybe I won't, that is flouting directly at the uh, Declaration of Independence and directly at a political process that has worked for so many decades and so many centuries. So, you know, when you poke right into the heart of someone's sense of democracy, I could almost see, you know, voters, you know, Republicans running for the door at that point. Hmm. And the other part that uh, really turned around was that, you know, nobody has more respect for women than I do. And, you know, to which the audience openly (laughs) guffawed. Yet at the very end, when she didn't like what he was, she was saying, oh, what a nasty woman you are. Not what a nasty person, but what a nasty woman. So, you know, you can't make a silk 
silk purse out of a sow's ear. And you can practice and practice all you want. But really, when you can't control your own temperament and you really just fall back into the person that you are and you show voters that that is the person you are, it just won't work for you. Uh, phone lines are open, 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. Hans is on the line. Hans, what were your thoughts on the debate last night? Uh, I thought it was pretty good, actually. I thought, I thought uh, you know, I thought he held uh, Hillary to account on a lot of issues, um, and I thought the, actually the mediator did a pretty good job uh, not being as biased as, uh, as CNN is. And I, I do think it's rigged in the sense that uh, the media, I mean, if you look at the media or listen to the media, it's brutal. Like it is. It's not like a. It's not proper reporting of equal sides. You watch CNN, which I can barely do now, but it is pro Hillary. I swear. I think Hillary. They must have some stocks in that <laughs> the news. They should call it Clinton News Network. It's pro Hillary. They will talk about the tapes of uh, Trump for ten days now. It's, it's disgusting, and they do not talk about the emails of Clinton. They don't talk about, you know, her taking the hammer to her phone, the fact that she, out of 25 questions, said 21 times, I don't recall. Yet, like, there's so much stuff there, but they just go to sense, you know. Let me ask you this question, Hans. Why is it the media's fault that Donald Trump can't convey that? Why doesn't Donald Trump just focus on that and focus and focus and focus and hammer and hammer and hammer like he attempted to do for the first half of the debate last night? Why is it up to the media to bring this election clean? Why can't the candidate, instead of talking about all this other stuff, talk about those exact same things that you're talking about and all of the Republican pundits talk about on CNN the second he gets off the stage? Why doesn't he do that? Just like Barack Obama said, why doesn't he start giving people a reason to vote for them instead of getting caught in this stuff? That's my question. And you know what? I agree with you because many times during the debate, he'll have her against the fence and then he'll go off on a tangent. Like last night he had her against the fence and then all of a sudden he starts talking about nuclear arms. And I'm like, what are you doing? You had her feet to the fire, and he just went so, on. And so, does that make him qualified to be president? Then, I mean, the fact that well, he I don't can't... think neither of them are qualified. Well, I, I would agree with that 100. percent I'd but agree I just, with that. I just, I just like my only point is that the media okay. is so slanted. Yeah, it's so hard to get a you know a balanced picture. All right, thanks for the call. Much appreciated. What are your thoughts on that, Alyssa? You know what? I think that Hans brought up a really good point. And the first one that I do want to jump on is that the moderator, Chris Wallace, was perhaps the best moderator of all three debates. Mm -hmm. And he is from Fox News. So you can't really say that, you know, Fox is very biased and very uh, Republican, uh, conservative leading. So, but I felt, and even the first question that he gave Trump was a lob. What are your thoughts on immigration? Yeah. It was a lob. And I think that if you had a more disciplined candidate, and not someone who would uh, go off on the tangent and, you know, completely sort of lose his composure and lose his narrative, then, you know, this would be a different race. You know, if he, he, he really is giving he, he really is giving Hillary a, 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 an easy ride, isn't he? He's really providing an easy ride for Hillary, is he not? Yes, he is. He absolutely is. And the more he opens up his mouth, the more he freelances. You know, I was so much fun. You've got three, you know, you've got three points. Stick to the three points. Stick to the knitting. Don't speculate. 
And don't go off on some tangent where you can't substantiate anything. You're just going to go down a big black hole that you cannot climb out of. And to Chris Wallace's um, credit, he was he was he didn't, you know he was hard on both candidates. Mm-hmm. He was not uh, pro Hillary. He was not soft on Donald, but he definitely held both of their feet to the fire mm-hmm. and absolutely required decorum um, in order to get pro- appropriate answers. So you know, full march to him. But to Hans's other point about you know CNN and a lot of the news. I mean, Trump does this to himself. Yeah. You know, yes, you know, the whole WikiLeak thing is, honestly, in a, in a, in a quote-unquote normal election, this would have been blockbuster and would have probably sunk Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. But she is up against someone who is who has basically taken that narrative right off of the uh, front page of the news. You do read about it. You read about it much further down if you're reading it on the web. You read about it much further into the paper. It's almost like a secondary or tertiary narrative. And Donald keeps providing all this juicy stuff that the media can't help but report. And, it, you know, is it at all, you know, the media slanted against uh, Donald? Is it, they're more pro-Hillary? Well, he, he's just not an appropriate candidate to be, to, be, to be president. And trust me, when you go into the editorial boardrooms and when the papers start to think of who they're going to support, and you read those editorials and you read why they're supporting Hillary, it's, it's about appropriateness and who can really fulfill the job. Hmm. Uh, he is supposedly the greatest manipulator of the media, though. Why can't he get them... Well, I guess they are reporting his message. He's just giving them the wrong message. Why can't he get a handle on this? I mean, it's as I said to the caller. You know what? First of all, uh, every campaign has dirty tricks that are happening behind the scenes. And, you know, Trump may have been right when, you know, they say that the Democrats are trotting out all these women and all these indiscretions, even though he debunks them all and says that none of them are true. But... You know, he's not being rigorous with his narrative on really why he wants to make America great again. Mm -hmm. It's all hollow. And the other thing that he can't do is he can't string a coherent thought together. So he may get through two or three sentences, which may be, you know, the notes that he's memorized. And then he absolutely strays from that narrative into something that's incomprehensible, that nobody can get a handle on, and that nobody can really report what he stands for. So you cannot treat politics like reality TV. This is not edited. It is unedited. And any time that we have seen Donald, it's never been in a live situation. It's been in everything that he's been on, Celebrity Apprentice, it doesn't matter. It's all been edited. So... You know, you have people behind the scenes editing what would be his final image and what people would see, but that's not the same thing in politics. Uh, He always seems to, and I did a a commentary about this yesterday, that he, he always seems to be blaming everyone else for his downfall. And we all know that that's the sign of an extremely weak leader who doesn't take responsibility, just like we're talking about and and we mentioned with the caller. Uh, At what point does that not uh, start resonating with voters? At what point do even his base start saying, you know, you just can't, like, there's got to be stand-up people within his base somewhere. You know what, I think that he has surrounded himself with a lot of stand-up people, but, you know, Donald does as Donald does, and he's going to say what he wants to say when he wants to say it. So he has, uh, as I said, he has no rigor and he has no respect for the process. Um, 
you know, one of the things that, uh, he, you know, that he also tries to do is that, you know, when he tries to appeal to his base and he does say the things that they want to hear, you know, the issue is, is that he's not saying anything that will sway um, undecided voters yeah. onto his side. So when you keep saying things like, for example, Americans love heroes. They love a rags-to-riches story, which you certainly not, even though you tried to say that. But they don't like blamers. They don't like losers. They want people who will lift them up and not take them down. And when he is, and he, he's only exacerbating this whole notion of being a crybaby. Yeah. And Hillary jumped on that like absolute crazy. You know, she says, oh, it's rigged. Unbelievable. Everything is rigged that he doesn't lose. Mm-hmm. You know, the Republican primary wasn't rigged, obviously, because he won that. Mm. But anything that goes against him is it's a, sort of like a very, very simplistic message. It's rigged. It's rigged. It's rigged. Nothing is rigged. Nothing is rigged. You do what you do to yourself. And if you don't like it, take responsibility. It's almost like, you know, with the same thing with the women's situation, all these women, oh, well, it's all lies. He has never once apologized. Rule number one, apologize and move on. Uh, you said a key word here, simplistic. That's the whole, for me, that resonates because he's he's giving these incredibly, incredibly simplistic responses to these incredibly complicated questions for this incredibly powerful office. And to me, that's yeah. where that's where it's not it's it, the rubber's not hitting the road here. You know, I think that, you know, listen, you're a talk show host and you know that when you are talking to your listeners, you don't want to talk too highbrow, and then you also don't want to talk too simplistic. You try and find, you know, uh, a happy medium. And when there are so many things in an election that will drive people to vote, the easiest thing is to create a very simplistic narrative, but not simplistic in that it's rigged and move on, but simplistic in the way that they can understand it. Yeah. So, a single message as opposed to, as opposed to a simplistic thought. Yeah, exactly. But a simplistic doesn't equal dumb. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So simplistic might be, this is what I stand for, and I get that, but it's rigged, and she's nasty, and, oh, I'll keep you in suspense. That's not simplistic. That's dumb. Yeah. And you can't get behind that. And, you know, reporters are not stupid people. People, media are, are, are not stupid for the most part. But nobody in their right mind is going to say, well, that was great. He'll keep us in suspense. I think that that's a great way to deal with a political system. Nobody is going to do that. You, To me, you just hit the nail right on the head. Bingo, bango. No matter what you think of the politics, no matter which one you like, no matter this, that, or the other, Bingo. You just hit the nail on the head. Now, let me ask you this. Should the biggest takeaway from last night be that he would take a wait-and-see approach on the election result? Is that what we should be taking away from this? Yes. You have someone who absolutely doesn't respect the process. And if he doesn't respect the process of transfer of power, what other process is he not going to respect? He says he's going to renegotiate all these deals with all these countries. Really, do you think that everybody is just going to lay down and die when uh, Donald Trump comes marching in the room if he was uh, president and say, okay, I want it this way? And they'll go, well, no, it doesn't quite work like that. I think there's a whole side of process that he chooses to ignore. 
you know, it seems to me that Trump doesn't really want to be president. He wants to be chairman of the board. And he wants to leave Mike Pence to be president. And if I was Mike Pence, I would be in the in the green room or wherever he is, you know, at these debates, banging my head against the wall. I mean, on the one hand, he's getting lots of face time. I mean, people are getting to know who Mike Pence is. But in order to be the you know the running mate of someone who is uncontrollable, unstable, and has no respect for process, no matter what you think of process, process does work, and we do need process in lives, especially when it comes to government. All right. So here it comes. Listen to this, Alyssa. Here it comes. Here's the email. Here, here's exactly what the, the other side will say. If media isn't so slanted, then why are you and your guests not talking about the emails, her policies, uh, tapes, and, and, the fact that, uh, and the fact that he did not apolo- or that he did apologize for the Billy Bush tape? You will spend 95 percent of your dialogue against Trump, but it's not biased. Amazing well, hypocrisy. Your emailer, we did talk about the WikiLeaks, so maybe they, they weren't tuned in on that one. But and the point that we actually made was is that because his narrative is uh, so controversial that it ba- it basically takes the WikiLeaks off the table. So instead, uh, so why is he not talking more about WikiLeaks? Why is it up to the media to bring this up? Why is he not hammering this? Because he has too much, there's too much of a, you know, when you have a narrative, you try to keep it very controlled. And you try to stay away from distraction. There's been a lot of distraction in Trump's narrative, which he basically does, as I mentioned, to himself. So if he just wanted to keep hammering on the WikiLeaks, she got straight under his skin about the female or the women issue. She got straight under his skin about the, um, the immigration issue. I mean, really. Who stands up there and calls people bad hombres? Yeah. I mean, yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. And, and, oh, we had a great negotiation with uh, the president of Mexico. No, you didn't. You, this is not revisionist history. You can't say one thing when everybody knows the other. You can't say you did not make fun of a, um, a handicapped reporter when it was on tape and played ad nauseum. So you can't create all these distractions for yourself and then expect people to take you seriously when you're talking about WikiLeaks. So in other words... There is damage. There is some very damaging stuff in there about how political campaigns are run and what people should do. And that's how he, and that's how he has given her a free ride. And uh, free instead ride. of and instead of talking about WikiLeaks, he's saying things like, "We'll keep you in suspense whether I, you know, will uh, will accept the verdict of the election or not." You know, when you say when you say stuff like that, anything else that wants that you think should be more important, basically, it blows up. Yeah. And that's what every commentator post the debate when I was watching on all the channels were saying that. How could he say that? He was actually not doing bad, yep. but then he went and imploded. Yep. Alyssa Freeman's been with us, Principal Alyssa PR Communications. Alyssa, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. I'm exhausted, just like I was after that. <laughs> Thank you, Alyssa. We appreciate it. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. The Ontario Energy Board has announced for the first time since 2008, hydro rates will not be going up this November. It's supposed to be another increase in less than two weeks. 
and also, uh, power companies are being told, or we're told, to bill customers monthly, which adds another $10 million onto the cost of the whole process. Uh, has that backfired? Tom Adams is with us, independent energy and environmental consultant. He is with us now. Hello, Tom. How are you today? Hey, Scott. Just great. Great to hear from you again. Uh, first of all, why did this happen? Why are all of a sudden the, the planned schedule increase that we all knew we were going to get, why has that been put off? Okay. It, um, it's just a delay uh, um, uh, in, in recovery of costs. So, the the government can push costs around in time, uh, but eventually the costs all come home to roost. And so, so this is a, a temporary re- reprieve. Um, uh, and and we've, we've seen things like this before. Um, uh, in your intro, you, you, you were commenting that, that rates haven't gone down since 2008. We did have a, a, a decrease uh, in... November of 2012 as well, you know, a, a, a small, small amount. But then the next time rates were adjusted, which was uh, May, the, you know, the next year, 2013, there was a big bump up. So it, it, it's just simply a timing issue. Um, and there's two factors that are going to uh, uh, jump up to bite us, you know, the next time these rates get calculated. Um, one of them is the the cost of a, uh, a subsidy program to industrial customers that the government announced in the throne speech, um, uh, and th- that'll take a little. It's just taking a while to phase in, but by May of next year, uh, um, we'll have to pay for it, and that'll cause residential rates to go up. Um, the second factor is that there's a big increase coming in costs for power from Ontario Power Generation. Um, uh, The OPG uh, has filed an application with the Energy Board. It sees a a rate of increase of of about 11% per year for their fees um, every year for five years. The the, um, basis on which this November rate increase or, you know, rate freeze was calculated assumes that there's no costs coming for increases to OPG. So so why is this I, happening now, Tom? Why would this be happening right at this point? Is, is Does Kathleen Wynne have anything to do with this? Is this the natural ebb and flow of things? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, uh, you, you know... <laughs> Once upon a time, the Energy Board was a really independent institution, and there would be really no question that there'd be kind of any interference. Um, uh, but the, the the judgment calls that have caused the Energy Board to delay these rate increases do look a little fishy to me. I, I'm not comfortable at all with 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 what's happened here. Um, uh, but again, you, you know. Even if they were playing games, it's not really. It doesn't really matter in the end that much, um, uh, like because because ultimately the costs do come home to roost. You know, you can play these temporal games for only so long. Um, uh, so you know, even even if there was some kind of untoward intent. Uh, um, uh, you know, identified, 
I, I, I'm not sure that it really makes in in the big picture, long runs. You know, our problems are our problems with the power bill. So uh, recently, well, it, I guess it started with uh, the, the Scarborough by-election loss that everyone thought was going to be about sex ed curriculum, and it turned out to be soaring high electricity rates. Then, of course, came the rebate on the H, uh, provincial portion of your HST and your electricity bill. Uh, then the petition against hydro uh, started by the government against high hydro rates. And then the cancelling of future projects. And now this. Is, is that just coincidence? Uh, well, <laughs> or or is this is this the Wynn government admitting that you know we can't continue to bankrupt Ontarians uh, for the activism? I mean, at, at the end of the day, we all want to keep the country green, but have they finally realized they pushed us too far? Oh well, look, you know, on this this whole list of of uh, you know government initiatives um, uh, that came along after the Scarborough by election, I think there's a direct line of 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 connection there. The, it, uh, it, it's it's very late in the game, but the, the Ontario government is starting to realize that that their management of the power system has just been a complete just a complete disaster, and and customers are just not simply not putting up with it anymore um you know i i think a big factor uh, has been a kind of a wider public appreciation of the the scale of ontario subsidized export to neighboring utilities mostly michigan and new york you know i think that has really shaken public confidence in the power system as more and more people have started to realize that um, uh, I, I think the, the the problem of of you know people uh, of, of electricity becoming a housing crisis for a lot of low income people. I, you know, I think that's really starting to you know it just I mean you, you just cannot read these stories about these you know disadvantaged low income people, many of them in rural areas. Who who are being driven out of their homes by their hydro costs? You you can't see that stuff without being moved by it. Um, uh, so the government is kind of coming around on this, but you know they they're at the same time they're continuing on um, uh, with many of their careless programs. One example, they've got a, a 150 megawatt uh, um, solar power procurement program that they're still going ahead with. Outrageously expensive power. Um, uh, they're they're going to pay these generators, some of them over thirty cents a kilowatt hour for power that's that's worth uh, um, about two cents a kilowatt hour. It, most of that power will get exported. Um, uh, so it, you know, I, it's I I believe that the the that the government is getting some greater appreciation for the scale of the problems that they've created, but they. They just haven't taken on board that you know what what they need to do to turn this around. Yesterday in the press, uh, power companies told to bill customers monthly, and uh, instead of uh, the way we were normally getting it, I guess uh, quarterly and such. Um, what's the purpose behind this? And is it true that that that, that, that will add like another ten million dollars to the cost? Um, well, the 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 purpose of it is, I I think, to establish some consistency across the different utilities. Um, uh, utilities were billing on a different basis. 
uh, I'm, I'm actually a, a fan of the monthly billing concept. Um, I, I know that, you know, that it does increase uh, some printing costs and mailing costs, you know, for customers that are still on, on um, you know, paper billing. And, and that's, you know, part of the, you know, part of the cost of service. Um, uh, but, but the, uh, of course, 10 million bucks in the scheme of things, you know, we're, we're talking about a power system that is annually taking in about $21 billion a year from customers. So, you know, just to keep things in perspective, um, uh, the the advantage of monthly billing I I see is that it it gives uh, you know customers of a, a, a better way to budget uh, uh, their costs and and keeps them better informed about things like um, uh, you know when we go through periods of either a very cold, extended cold snap in the winter with which will drive up your usage or an extended hot Spell in the summer. If you've got a long billing delay, some customers may not notice how much of a cost they're racking up. And uh, so, you know, so the, the the monthly billing is a, is something of a reminder um, uh, about you know what's what's going on. And it, there is an advantage to some consistency in billing practices between utilities. One of the things I find is is for preventing people from understanding what's going on in the power business it's is that we there's so much inconsistency there's between utilities and and the the way customers are billing on well it is it's like a shell game i mean you get all these different uh factors coming at you and neither one and you know well that's not our problem that's these guys raising the rate no that's not us that's them vice versa again it's a shell game you don't know where the money's going Oh, it's a nightmare to to just track this thing, you know. And and often um, experts inside the industry have have difficulty following where uh, bits and pieces of it go. The the auditor general has has made some noteworthy um, oversights or mistakes in 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 reports where they're very generally very well done but you know just the complexity of the system has gotten to be so out of control that 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 all kinds of you know people can be excused ordinary folks at home can be excused for not for feeling frustrated about not understanding what's going on that this system was not set up uh, uh, to keep you informed Tom Adams has been with us, independent energy and environmental consultant. Uh, Boy, that last statement was absolutely true. Thanks very much, Tom. Much appreciated. So good, Scott. Thank you. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.